Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. It might be afternoon where you're at. Regardless, I have an informational piece for you today, and then I have some news, quick news that I'll cover. And I did the informational inspired by a screenshot that flew through social media, and I want to make sure I try to explain what might be happening in case you stumble across something similar. But let's talk about the token in question first, and then we'll go into a secondary update. The token in question is Satama. Satama is on somewhat of a small, I don't want to say bull run because that's probably not fair, but it's on a small climb back to the price point it was at prior to the failed Vegas event. And there's a lot of movement in the form of buy activity. There's not a significant amount of volume per se, but there's a lot of velocity. And the velocity is helping the price increase. Now, it still has some sell pressure going on, and I suspect we're going to have a lot of this sell pressure as it tries to climb back up because unfortunately it already breached two resistances on the way back down. So now it has to create new resistance. And of course, as I mentioned, resistance is simply that the level of sell activity is no longer able to drop the price to a significant degree. There is still sell activity though. You're still having people who are selling at really small amounts for whatever their motivations. You know, things where it's like 10 ETH. Well, 10 ETH is like $40,000. I don't know why, personally, that somebody would sell at $40,000 unless if you got really massive whale type folks. Like there's another one here that sold at 80 ETH. Well, 80 ETH, that's that's like 3 million bucks, I believe. Um, or 320 grand. It's, it's a lot of money. And maybe they're selling in chunks, but I don't see a pattern in the the addresses that are going through. So it seems like people are doing chunk sales, but there's no clear reason why they're doing chunk sales. But when I look at the graph, the person sent a screenshot and I look at the graph and I look at the screenshot, which gives the table of trades. There are transactions that are represented. And when you look, this is dextools.io. When you look at the transaction, there's a little red dude icon next to the amount of Satama or the amount of ETH. And I want to just kind of break down what this means. Before I do that, I want to be clear because I was doing more research into all the different traffic. The Satama token is an Ethereum-based token. That means that if you're looking for research graphs or anything about that token, I want to make sure you're not going to PooCoin.app to search those because PooCoin.app only returns for Binance, KuCoin, which is a KCC network, and Polygon. You're not going to find Ethereum-based tokens on Polygon. Why am I bringing that up now? When I search PooCoin, because the, I was comparing the screenshot, and it looked like a PooCoin screenshot, and I wanted to make sure there weren't any, any of this appearance over there, and I saw that there was at least five tokens called Satama on the PooCoin side, and all Binance, and the vast majority are scams, but there are a couple where the market cap is sky high and it's obvious they're taking people for a ride. Whales are buying it on the Binance smart chain, probably international because it's easier on the Binance side than it is Ethereum when you're international. And so I'm, it compelled me to at least release a message from my own to make sure you're not going to PooCoin to research anything related to an Ethereum-based token. Satama is not on the Binance chain officially. Now, some will hear that and they'll say, well, wait a minute, SHIB has a Binance token. The Binance version of SHIB is not officially managed by the SHIB team. Anybody can create the exact same name token on any other network and steal your money. 
and you wouldn't know it. Even though the SHIB is pegged Binance to the Ethereum one because they're trying to be ethical about it, the fact that the token is not the same network as the official team means there's a risk that you could get taken for a ride. So make sure that if you're doing the research, you're on DEX tools like I am, if you want to watch price movements. The reason that's critical is because, of course, PooCoin will let you trade. And so people might go to PooCoin, see there's something called Satama, see a market cap of $8 billion, assume that it's either the same token or a peg token like SHIB, and then they'll spend their money on it, and then there's a rug pull. And I don't want that to happen to you. So make sure that you are not using PooCoin if you're researching an Ethereum-based token. This means any token that you are hearing or seeing about, that's why I mention it when I cover tokens. I'll tell you if it's Binance or if it's Polygon, or if it's Phantom, or if it's Ethereum, to make sure that you go to those places. Some tokens are legitimately on two networks, like ID is legitimately on both, so you can trust it, or Kishimoto, legitimately on both. Some are only on one as far as the official team is concerned. And so make sure you are researching that and go to the right tool. And trust me, I know it's frustrating that there's like 15 different tools to research this stuff, which is the reason my podcast exists, is to try to help as best I can but I'm only one man. So with Satama now on Dex tools, when you see the results and you'll see this little red dude next to the Satama traded, when you look at those rows, this represents where there's a bot, an actual script that is purposely doing a buy and sell for an automated purpose. And when you look at the screenshot, what it has is there is a transaction that I would classify as a whale level transaction. It's pretty large. And then there's a true whale that does a sell. And then there's this other bot transaction right above it that does a buy-in. Now, because of the fact that I see two bot transactions for the same wallet, and they're happening for a pretty large amount of money, it seems to indicate to me as an attempt to stabilize price, meaning that it's trying to keep the price somewhat reasonably stable. However, when you have this whale, they sold a lot. It was like 170 trillion Satama sold or some crazy nut number. When you have those large sells, it tends to create massive dips in the price movement that may affect somebody's trading strategy. So think of yourself as somebody who is at the high level whale and you're sitting on an exchange and you have it programmed to where when there's a sell request, so I talked about exchanges and the fact that people could put limit orders and they can set their own prices. You see, you set a bot that says, find any transaction that's going to be X amount or greater. And when you see it in the order book, I want you to go ahead and sell my stake now, basically preserve the profit. And then after the price moves, so after this transaction happens, I want you to buy back in automatically and use the same basis. Well, why would you do that? Number one, the initial sale is to preserve your basis as of a point in time. So let's say that basis is 100,000 bucks. If you were not to sell, if you were not to sell out before that super whale comes in, which had to be close to a million dollars, then your, 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 your basis is going to drop. Your value is going to drop. So what you're doing is you're preserving your basis of 100 grand, letting the whale pass, the price goes down, and then you use your same basis to buy back in. The net effect is that you'll get more tokens at the same price. So it's like you lost nothing at all, not even unrealized loss. You lost zero because your basis is still the same, but you got more tokens essentially for free. Now, if you are sitting in a wallet, 
you wouldn't know that this order is coming your way. You won't know that that whale is about to transact. The only way you could have known really is to be in the exchange and see the order book. And the order book will tell you, oh, geez, I got this massive amount of orders coming my way and they're going to tank the value of this guy. So you use bots because you're not staring at it for 24 hours a day, right? So you're going to create a script and it's going to watch for the order book traffic to identify any transaction based on the price movement that could affect your stake in the token. This is a very advanced level of trading, but when you get good at it, it helps you preserve value. That's why you would do these things. And the reason I'm breaking this down to you is so that you understand that when whales sell out, they're going to affect price movements. We know this, but there are other whales who are in for the long haul who are smart enough and they have programmed tools to be able to get ahead of it so that they can preserve their value, which actually helps you as an investor if you're bought in. And it's any token. I'm just using Satama because it has a recent example that I saw. It's a brilliant strategy from a trading perspective when you get to more advanced levels of trading. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars plus that you want to preserve your basis. And by doing so, you're, cheat, you're essentially cheating the whale because they can't take that money from you in terms of real unrealized value. If you were in a wallet and you had a hundred grand sitting there, you're not going to know that what that whale shows up, that whale cashes out your value tanks. You're now down to 80 grand and you're waiting on reflections and eventual price movements to get you back up to peak. If you took my advice before and you said, keep your stuff in a wallet, all that simply means is this is the reason that you should hold when there are downs, because you don't want to just react to it. It'll eventually recover if it's a solid project. And I knew, yes, you could hold it in an exchange and you could program this or you could stare at it for 24 hours and you could avert that. But then remember, when you do a sell, you get charged a fee. When you do a buy, you get charged somewhat of a fee. It's not as large. So now you're doing the fees on the transaction side if you did it that way versus just keep it in the wallet, hold it, take the reflections. And remember, you get a lot of reflections, a lot more reflections when people sell versus buy. So no, you're not going to get as many additional tokens versus the bot method, but you are getting reflections that kind of emulate that same behavior with you having to do nothing when it's in a wallet. In summary, if you look at Dex tools on any Ethereum token and Dex tools supports all the networks, I'm just picking on Ethereum for any token and you see that little red dude and you see it transact twice, check the maker field, which is the wallet address and see if it looks like it's the same address for the same little red guy. And that usually means it's a bot that is doing the buy sell. And you'll usually see that there's a buyout and then a sell in or opposite. And you can also tell if they're doing buys at a small bit, like we'll buy maybe a hundred coins every so often or something to kind of just do scheduled or recurrent type transactions. Keep an eye on the why these things happen. I wouldn't be too much worried about it unless you start seeing it excessive for the same address. And it seems like there's a strong pattern that tells you that this person might be trying to sabotage the token. Otherwise, it's not a harmless thing. And it's something you should be aware of. And when you get to a point of being more advanced with trading, and there's a lot of risk to it because your bot could get it wrong. In this case, the bot got it perfect because it was able to identify that a significant whale was going to get in there and was able to avert that loss. Well, what if your bot gets it wrong and sees the transaction come through, but then the person doing the transaction backs out of it? 
Now you sold when you didn't need to, and you missed out on a potential growth rather than a loss. So it's, I say it's advanced because a lot of timing goes into that. A lot of precision goes into it. And I wouldn't want you to lose money unnecessarily or unrealized value unnecessarily. But if you do see that little red guy, that's what it means. It, ultimately, use DEX tools to do your research. Please don't use PooCoin if it's an Ethereum-based token. And realize that these bots are out there helping investors like yourself, but at the higher level, persist their value when there's a whale that's about to sell off. The exchanges can help you identify this. Now, of course, that's within that same exchange, not across all exchanges. So there's no way that you're going to be able to avert loss of value, which is why you should hold whenever things go down and just wait it out. That's why I keep impressing. Make sure you realize it's a bear season. Things will go down. Eventually, they'll recover, and then you'll be fine. So as Satama continues to at least appreciate partially from what's happening currently right now, at some point, Satama, I do believe, will get back to the levels that it was going towards prior to the failed Vegas event, and you'll have a solid investment once again. Keep eyes on it as the CERTIC audit wraps up. Keep an eye on what the results were, and then use that to guide your next step, whether that's a buy or it's a sell. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. It's your investment. Don't let anybody tell you to hold, hold, hold. It's up to you and what makes sense to you. But realize that depending on what you see, there could be some whales that, depend, that decide to sell out for whatever reason. It could happen. I'm still bullish on the project long term. And I think 2022 will show us that it's in a good spot. And that going forward, we should be able to really trust that this guy is going to make a lot of people, I wouldn't say infinitely wealthy because that's not fair because everything's going to have a plateau for sure. But I do think it is going to get people to a point where they have some independence of wealth. Absolutely certain of this. Let's get into some news bits. Algorand has been having some challenges. I believe it's blockchain related because Coinbase had some delays in deposits for Algorand. The blockchain seemed to be working, but for whatever reason, Algorand was not making it across Coinbase. That has since been resolved. And from what I can tell, everything is flowing as it's supposed to. I just did some tests this morning with some small bits of money, and it seems like it's fine. I'm calling out Algorand because it is one that I have recommended on infrequent occasions when you need to send money from A to B. And the ironic thing is that Algorand actually positioned their marketing strategy around quick movement of money. So I felt that them not being able to do that was a challenge that needed to be addressed. And it looks like it's been addressed for whatever happened. But it seemed like it was only them and a couple of other exchanges because for what I can tell, KuCoin never went down with it. But LBank also had a pause on Algorand withdrawals. I think it's still on. And I'm not sure what the route was, if it's just certain types of wallets or what the deal is there. Uh, but they did have some issues there that seem to have been resolved ever since. So keep an eye out if you were using Algorand and there was a delay. The blockchain seems to have been sending perfectly fine. But there was less, for whatever reason, exchanges that were successfully receiving the crypto on the back end. And I don't honestly know why that was the case. In other news, SafeMoon V2 launched, and of course, as with every migration, there were issues. The most notable issue, of course, is people saw less tokens, which I said, that's going to be a psychological issue for a lot of people. But there also seemed to be challenges with people still buying the first version of the token. This was a symptom of naming, I believe. So what happened was they named the second token SFM, 
like the name is SFM. And then the first one was like peace, safe, mood or some garbage. And so people got confused because when you go into the list, you can't tell this V1 or V2. And I don't know why they named it that way. I don't know why they didn't just simply give a new name to the new token. So it was clear the distinction between the two. But they decided to, for whatever reason, they couldn't, either they couldn't or didn't want to cease trades on the first one. So they just bumped up the, the fees for buys and sells to discourage people from doing it. I suspect that what happened there is they want to cash out the liquidity in support of the new deal. I suspect that's what it is, but I don't have full evidence. I'm just telling you that it didn't go very clean, um, but it is what it is. Uh, they're, they're mostly past it, but it is what it is. And, you know, if you are in safe move, um, you are expected to move to V2. I would advocate that you should look into it. I do have safe moon, but the amount of safe moon I have, it's not worth it to do the move, frankly. So I'm not going to really do it. It'll just be a you know a piece of nothing in the wallet, just like with hold token. Uh, Cardano has reached out and they are trying to fix their issues that have caused their token to tank significantly. And if you go back to some of my earlier episodes, I have always been bullish on Cardano long-term, but Numerous people have said that their CEO is an idiot, and I think that was a contributing factor to the tanking of the token, as I've said, when you have ego in the way and your leadership doesn't know what the heck they're doing, just like with Santa Coin and many others, it tends to hurt otherwise solid projects. Even now, I still think Cardano is one of the best projects. It's just, for whatever reason, leadership is just jacking it up. So I don't know what the deal is there with what's going on. And so I've kind of stayed away from it, but they've spoken out, said, you know, there's a lot coming and we're going to be fixing a lot of our fundamental issues and profit potential is going to be back in place. I think they're running from behind because you now have Algorands hit the ground and running, Tron's hit the ground and running, Solana's hit the ground and running, Iatex is starting to. And so it's going to be hard for them to play catch up now because they were at a critical point being one of the first to release a product like what they had. And now because of leadership and competence, it's going to be really hard to play catch up. So I'm not, let's say I'm not optimistic, but I'm still bullish about Cardano. I still think it's a good project. I just, when you have bad leadership, you just miss key opportunities and timing is everything when you're trying to market a project to people and get their money out of it. When there's so many projects out there, it just gets hard to do that. And then on the last part, I will talk quickly, real quick about EarnHub again. EarnHub is still having some issues. It works, but it's still having some issues. So the number one that I saw when you do it, so if you're an EarnHub investor, this is really for you. When you do the AnyFlect, you select the AnyFlect that you want. And if you know reflections from any other token, normally they just feed straight to your wallet and it happens like every minute or every few seconds as transactions happen. Unfortunately, the way the AnyFlect works now is similar to staking rewards in the sense that it'll accumulate until it thinks it should pay you, which is not really truly reflections. It's kind of like the same as the old finance rewards and the BUSD rewards of certain tokens that have failed. So it's working, but because of the way that they built it, the pace is not optimal or ideal. Secondly, when you go to do a staking pool, you're charged a gas fee to open the pool, but then you're charged a much higher gas fee to actually stake your token. So the opening is like 17 cents to 20 cents at most. When you go to stake it, it wants like between three and $5. Now you're saying, well, that's not a lot of money. Deep, deep, deep. You got to understand it shouldn't charge that much in the first place. Staking should be at most on the Binance smart chain, a dollar 
at worst. And so the fact that it's doing like two to five dollars seems to indicate to me possibly unoptimized code somewhere for the staking method and the mechanics. And I wish the developers would take a look at that because I, they keep saying that, no, it's random and it's network fees. I've never seen it below $3. I'll say $2.40. And to me, that's too high. So I have not done the staking because of this, but you've got this period between the 16th and the 23rd or 24th where they're doing that whole sweepstakes. Now, they edited the sweepstakes after the fact to say, well, you got to have minimum 50 million tokens. Deep, deep, deep. And of course, that pissed me off because that was not there in the first pass. And many people are not going to have that many of them. This fresh off the relaunch. So I won't be in the sweepstakes. I likely won't be doing staking. I'll continue to test the Anyflect until I see it's working the way I want. I'm not going to sell them because there's no reason to. Because I don't need the money off that. It was really more for the passive. And I do plan to invest more into it. But I think that, you know, the migration for the most part was... I'd say reasonably smooth, but there are a lot of bumps and issues post-migration that they're still working out. It's not that I'm turning you off to the token. I still think it's a decent project. I just think more thought should be put into the after-fact rewards and the way that to deliver those, because I think that it should have been much more seamless in how it was done. And this is hopefully a lesson learned for the team. And if they use this, any other token uses this kind of methodology, I want them to really think about what we really should be doing uh, when we need to do reflections. Um, one quick point that I will just mention briefly because it came up on my radar. So Axie Infinity, and I briefly talked about Axie Infinity and the fact that you've got um, a game space with play to earn. The idea that you can have this game that can earn you cryptocurrency and currently Axie Infinity is like at the top, they're the top of the list I would argue in the space. They're able to get a lot of people interested in this. But gaming in general, this play to earn gaming, we have not yet seen anybody that is making these kind of world-class games that stand out. Like, could you imagine like the developer for Stardew Valley, uh, I believe his name's Concerned Ape on Twitter. Could you imagine if Stardew Valley were a play to earn game, a game like that, that had so many people, it's so inexpensive to buy it, but it was so intriguing and so unique of an experience compared to something like a Harvest Moon. Could you imagine if that one was able to do a play to earn, you were able to make a game like that and make it play to earn, or RFL, which is a lesser known game, it's on PC, it's a remake. Games like this that, you know, it's like an RPG maker level type game, but there's so much content, so good story, and it actually engages you very well and then those to be a play-to-earn experience. Axie Infinity has been trying to step up its game with the play-to-earn space and make more games, more details into the games. So you're going to see a lot coming out of them, I believe, in 2022. But other developers are starting to take notice, and you're starting to see more types of games come out. I know that the Satama team was talking about some games on theirs, but their game is nowhere close to the kinds of things we're starting to see from the gaming world. So I would be interested to see some real game developers, you know, like the Konamis of the world, come back and say, you know what, we can do this because we've already built games. All we have to do is pair it with crypto. Could you imagine how big that would be? I talked about the Atari token. Atari could make some huge inroads with games they already have. Imagine the games like that we used to remember, like a Frogger or something, that are play to earn. Imagine if you take developers from the past who, for whatever reason, have dropped the ball, like a Sega coming and doing 
gaming that is play to earn. I think many of these developers are leaving money on the table with something that is catching steam and now is the time to start getting involved with this because even if you're not a gamer, you have to appreciate that gaming is still a high bar, high dollar industry. And it's lost some steam because we've lost a lot of developers. Either they've been absorbed or they just shut down. And game quality, in my opinion, has gone downhill. Yes, visually, we're seeing movie-like experiences like that Matrix trailer. Yes, I get it. But I'm talking the quality of the game from start to finish. I'm talking really good stories, really good characters that draw you in, that don't need to excessively rely on graphics, role-playing games that you spend 60 to 80 hours on, Imagine how much crypto can be accumulated doing something that's really enjoyable. Could you picture something like Zelda's Breath of the Wild where it's a play to earn game for however long you play this thing and people that have like 500 hours invested in it. And yes, I am a lofty vision person. This is what I'm hoping the developers take note of as we go into 2022 to start leveraging this. Genshin Impact right now is a free to play game. All you'd have to really do is pair it with a freaking crypto that already exists and let people earn crypto as they play it. Think of games that have died, like Valkyrie, whatever that, Valkyrie Crusade, that have died. The Three Houses, or Three Families, sorry, from Godfather. All of these games that have come and gone and they've taken people's money could now give people money. It's a huge industry that's not being tapped. Things are going to be happening in 2022 according to what I'm seeing. So keep tabs on that because if you're an investor, you should really be having eyes on the gaming and play to earn space for your various investments. And I will talk about some of those tokens when I start seeing games of equality where I can clearly tell this one's swimming in money worthy. That's my upgrade for today. And hopefully that's been very helpful to you. And again, if you're in Satama, enjoy the reflections, if nothing else. I still am bullish on the project. And if you're doing research on any token, just make sure you're using the right tools. Dex tools covers everything, but make sure it's the right token. Use the contract address if you must, if you're not sure. Pucoin does not cover Ethereum. So if your token is an Ethereum-based token, you should not be using Pucoin. If it's a Binance one, sure. If it's Polygon one, sure. If it's Kucoin, sure. But if it's Ethereum, you probably should start with Dex tools. CoinMarketCap will give you some. CoinGecko will give you some. There are tons of other tools out there. I know there's a lot. You get better at it once you get a pattern built and you get used to the groove of crypto research. It can be a full-time job at times though. Just make sure that you're careful with your investments. I'll do the best I can where I can tell you that, hey, this is what you need to watch out for. But ultimately you have to do your own research because I'm not a financial person myself. I'm not paid to give you financial advice. I'm simply sharing what I've learned as an investor myself, just like you. Take care.